morning. I'd like to welcome everyone to worship. Wonderful to have you with us today. Mystery Prelude, sponsored by Kathy Hansen. Uh, for a dear friend, did anybody get the Mystery Prelude? It is well with my soul. Finally, an easy one. Easter flowers, if you want to buy some Easter flowers, uh, there's forms in the Narthex, there's forms in the town square. Also, we're in the season of Lent, and we have worship on Wednesday at 1 and 7, lunch at noon, dinner at 6, compromise eat at 5.30 because we have confirmation at 6, uh, spaghetti, Alfredo pasta this week, chicken, garlic bread, salad, so love to have you for the meal. And our worship service, we're studying the evidence of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the vicar will be talking this Wednesday about the Apostolic Fathers. Also, Cedar, Seder Passover dinner, March 14th. You've never attended. It's very educational. We have a Messianic rabbi come in and explains everything that's happening at the dinner. We'd love to have you participate. We're doing earthquake relief with our mission dollar. We're giving 3000 If you'd like to contribute more towards that, just indicate on your envelope or your check that it's for the earthquake relief. Also, the 20 to 35 church friends, good to have them in the balcony, and I know they're staying for lunch after church. And rummage sale, this Saturday you can start dropping off your junk uh, from 9 to 1, and then also Thursday and Friday are drop-off dates, and the times are in your uh, announcement. Also, Pathways didn't meet this past Thursday because of weather, they'll be meeting this Thursday at 1 in Town Square. We rise for opening hymn.
invite the children up for the children's message. tissue in my office. Now when I run out of tissue, I have to walk all the way from my office to the gym and get a tissue and get a new box. That's a long walk. Now Mr. Fred, our building manager, he puts these around the building and he puts them in the front office for the people that work in the front office. Well, I thought, well, instead of walking all the way down to the gym, I'll just walk to the front office and take theirs. Well, Mr. Fred figured it out. He said, where are these boxes going? He figured out I was too lazy to walk all the way to the gym. So, what I did yesterday, and I'm showing you. I ran out of, well, one tissue left, just one. I thought, you know what? I'll just put that in the front office and I'll take the full one. <laughs> Isn't that a great idea? And Mr. Fred, he's not going to know. I'm tricking him. I'm deceiving him, aren't I? Who were the first people deceived? They were lied to and did wrong. Who was it? Adam and Eve. And that's what we're talking about today. And today you'll get a little snake. Because we think of how Satan appeared as a snake to them, okay? I want to thank you for coming up. The Old Testament reading for today is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? The man answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And the Lord God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? 
The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Here ends the Old Testament reading. The epistle reading for today is taken from the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not changed, charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, Death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not that they trespass, for if the man died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Here ends the epistle reading. Put on the full armor of God.
We rise for the reading of the gospel. The gospel for this morning is taken from the gospel of Matthew chapter 4, beginning with the first verse. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Here ends the gospel lesson. We confess our Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From hence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Please be seated, and uh, before, you know what, I feel like a real rookie, I might as well be a vicar. Um, we tried to avoid the A word all through Lent. This is the first Sunday, accidentally chose the sermon hymn with the A word in it. And so Rick Heldrop, good to have him back at the or organ, came up with the word to substitute the A word. So when you come to the A word, sing, what's it to ya? What's it to ya?
peace be on you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I hope our district or synod uh, staff don't watch this service because I'd be defrocked for what's it to ya. But it sort of fits. I was, you know, going to preach on the Garden of Eden and I was thinking about nature and I chose that hymn because it just sings so wonderfully about nature. And what's nature to you? What's it to you? I love nature. I, I always am in awe. Even this past Thursday, I know the ice storm was, you know, really affected our Ash Wednesday service. A lot of us were without power. But I was walking into the hospital and I just sort of stopped and stared at these trees that were just covered with ice. And it's just so beautiful that the, the nature God has created. And I wonder, you know, this is so beautiful and yet it's a fallen creation. I wonder what it looked like before, before sin came into the world. Now it's interesting, as you read the account of God creating Adam and Eve, God knows they're going to sin, God knows he's going to kick them out of the garden, God knows they're going to die. But at the beginning, he still has a plan, as if they're not going to sin. And he doesn't tell this to the animals, he tells the animals to be fruitful. But what does he tell Adam and Eve? Be fruitful and fill the earth. It's interesting, because this is before death. At some point, would it be overpopulated? At some point, would people stop having babies because there was enough people, the earth was filled? You know, we can only speculate about such things. And God said, when you eat of the fruit, you will die. But Adam and Eve didn't die right away, did they? It's interesting, looking at the Hebrew, a word-for-word -word translation would be, dying you shall die. God is saying the process has begun. You are dying and you shall die. Imagine, you know, God told Adam and Eve to, to rule in the sense the earth. And yet after sin, now Adam is told the earth will swallow you. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. You know, all they had, we have ten commandments, they only had one. Don't eat of the fruit. They couldn't help themselves. James 1 says, But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You realize when Eve decides to listen to the serpent, she is saying his words are more important than his. God. Her desire is more important than what God desires. And every time you sin, think about it. Go through the process mentally. You're saying, God, what I want, though it's against your law, I want it more. It's more important to me than your law. Because that's what you're saying. That's sin. Now, I've always wondered, how is sin connected to each generation? We use the term original sin, though it's not in Scripture. It categorizes how we're born into this world sinful. Where does that sin gene come from? You know, some would say perhaps it's through the man because God is born of the Virgin Mary. There's no earthly man involved. Eh, interesting theory. Yet, Jesus doesn't have original sin, that term applied to him, but he has the ability to sin. 
Jesus has the ability to sin. Why do you think Satan spent so much time on him in the wilderness? He has the ability to sin. In Hebrews 2, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way we are, yet he did not sin. Imagine, Jesus tempted every way we are. Jesus would even help really tell us what the law was. You know, we think of adultery, and Jesus would say, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with, him, with her in his heart. We are such sinners. And Christ comes into this world with the ability to sin, but he does not. Now when Satan, the serpent, talks to Eve, and notice Eve is not shocked and animals talking to her. Could animals have the ability to talk before the fall? We don't know. She talks, he's talking to her, and she's supposedly quoting God, but God did say, you must not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Now I know we often picture Satan as a snake on this very tree with the forbidden fruit. But you can tell from Eve's words, she's not at that tree. Oh, we can eat any tree except the one that's in the middle of the garden. And then she goes on to say, you must not touch it or you will die. God never said you couldn't touch it. Where is Adam? Where is Adam? To divide and conquer. When you're trying to tempt somebody to do something, it's better to tempt one person than try to do two because there's support there. Is Eve alone at this time and then later gives Adam the fruit? 2 Corinthians 11. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the, the serpent's cunning, and 1 Timothy 2, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. I think Eve's alone at this moment. She eats of the forbidden fruit. She is deceived, not Adam. And then Adam listens to what his wife says. You know, the one that must be obeyed. Wow. Wow. You look at the back cover, there's a little, little uh, cartoon. It's tombstones of Adam and Eve, and under Adam it says, at least my wife could not complain that I never listened to her. <laughs> and Eve, I married what used to be the perfect man. <laughs> so it seems that Eve was tempted, and then she gave some to Adam. Where it says, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. If you really look at the Hebrew, it's similar to what we find in the next chapter. Remember, Cain's going to kill Abel. Cain is thinking about killing Abel. God comes to Cain and says, Cain, sin is crouching at the door. You must master it, or it's going to have its way with you. It's referring to an inner struggle. Well, the same words are used here. This is the beginning of the, the wars against men and women, okay? This is where it begins, the struggle of the sexes between man 
and woman. And then he says to Adam, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree which I commanded you, must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. Adam's cursed. Eve's cursed. Eve's curse is pain. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing bearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and will rule over you. Here is not only physical pain, but emotional. And she's going to know what emotional pain is after her son is killed by her other son, Cain and Abel. Now, some translations say, I will increase your pains in childbearing. It's a poor rendering. There was no pain before sin. Yeah, I assume we had the, the senses and the sense of touch, but there was no such thing as pain. And I can't imagine a world without pain. I can't imagine a world without suffering, but that's how it was. It all changed when sin came into the world. God at times does miraculous things that are beyond the nature of things, like in Deuteronomy 8, talking about the wilderness journey of the children of Israel. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell up during these 40 years. Nehemiah 9 confirms that. For 40 years you, sus you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing, their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. That's beyond understanding. That was God involved. God is involved with Moses and his life. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. Clothing. Around the world, people wear clothing. Why? If we're here through the process of evolution, at what point did we become humans, and at what point did we say we should wear clothing? Nobody else is wearing clothing. No other animals in the field. They don't wear clothing, just humans. Why? It all stems from Genesis. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. What do we find? Adam and Eve, they hide from God. And in covering themselves, they're hiding from each other. That's what sin does. We're told that God made garments for them. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. That's interesting. God is done with his creation process. He doesn't create animal skin for them to wear. No. This is the first part of his creation to die. An animal. An animal must die. I never thought about it. I always thought God took care of this, then brought out their clothing. But I think God made them watch the sacrifice of the animal. They had to learn that there is a punishment with sin. If you want that shame covered, something has to die. In Hebrews, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The Jews have a tradition. You know, they have those eight annual feasts that God gave them. He gave them those feasts much later than this. But 
they believed that God still recognized these feasts even before he created them. And the day he breathed into Adam the breath of life, they say it's the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets. What happens ten days later? Day of Atonement. The Jews believe ten days into creation, Adam and Eve sinned. They sinned that day. What is the Day of Atonement? The Day of Atonement is when an animal is sacrificed for the sins of the people. And what is happening here? An animal is being sacrificed to cover the shame of Adam and Eve, to cover the sin. Galatians 3, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. We are covered with Christ, a garment that came through his death, not an animal sacrifice. What kind of animal was sacrificed? We don't know. Many like to think it was a lamb, a foreshadowing of Christ. Remember John the Baptist would say, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. Adam is the first Adam. He failed. Jesus is the second Adam. In 1 Corinthians 15, so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. It's talking about our resurrection. Christ is the first fruits to rise from the dead. In 1 John 3, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. Again, from 1 Corinthians 15, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as an Adam all dies, so in Christ will all be made alive. The serpent. Many theologians believe the serpent was always a serpent, always crawling on its belly. And when God makes this judgment upon him, he's just announcing what is already to be true. I don't agree with that. Because God makes other announcements about pain and childbearing, about uh, weeds and thistles, the sweat of your brow working. He makes a curse about death. All these things are newly introduced to the fallen world. And so we assume that this serpent perhaps had legs, maybe walked upright. But after this, the serpent is cursed also for being a vehicle of Satan and temptation. And then we find the first gospel, right in the same chapter of the first sin, the first gospel, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, referring to Satan and Eve, or the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Striking Jesus' heel is the cross, but through the cross he crushes the head of Satan. A better rendering of this text shouldn't say offspring. The Hebrew here is, and between your seed and her seed. Who is Satan's seed? Well, all the evil angels that followed him. Jesus even condemns the religious leaders when they're talking things against him, saying, you belong to your father, the devil. 
That's the seed of Satan. Now, the seed of the woman, isn't that interesting? Men have seeds. Women have eggs. From the seed of the woman. In Isaiah, we're told, behold, the virgin will give birth. The seed reference. Is that a reference to the virgin birth? Is that a reference to what is in Mary is not from humankind, from God himself. It is the seed of God. And the seed of the woman will bring a savior into this world. I believe that's what it's referring to. In Galatians 3.16, the promise were spoken to Abraham and his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Jesus Christ. Jesus is that seed of the woman. They're kicked out of the garden. We know why, because the tree of life is there. We don't know much about the tree of life. You hear about it in Genesis. It, it sort of bookends the Bible. You hear about it in Revelation. Once in Ezekiel you hear about it. It's a vision of heaven. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Now listen to the revelation of St. John. It sounds very similar what he is seeing. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves, are the, are, the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. This is what awaits us. A resurrection, a new heaven, and a new earth. There's no pain. There's no crying. There's no death. Only life. We have a world out there that tries to stay alive each and every day. They battle for life because this is all they know. They know nothing about eternity. They don't understand the sacrifice of the cross and how the second Adam has redeemed them from emptiness and salvation. And you and I are the ones with that message. The message of life. Not just life here but life forever, eternal. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, amen. We rise to sing the offertory.
seated. sought Adam and Eve in the garden and called them to repentance. Seek us when we wander from your holy word and give us contrite hearts to confess our sins and receive the forgiveness and restoration of your promise to us. Your son trampled the serpent underfoot and freed us from sin and death by his own death on the cross. Protect and preserve all who believe Christ and him crucified. Command your angels to guard them in all their ways and bear them up for the sake of Jesus. Today we pray for those facing health concerns, Megan Dilly, Beth Hamada, Andrew Flieger, Joe and Donna, Pat Nels, Lisa Vato, Margaret, Terry Hessen, Linda Hoekstra, Jill Wycamp, Tony Kernett, Ron Marks, Rudy Becker, Chris Decker, Jerry Williams, Tom Gray, Margaret Luce, and Etta Unruh. We pray for those in hospice care, Joe Hamada, Helen Ataki, and Rosebud Roselli, 
special petitions. We pray for a woman battling breast cancer. We pray for those impacted by the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. We pray for peace and comfort and strength for all those affected by the MSU shooting. We pray for all of those serving in the military, police and firefighters, all world leaders to be receptive to godly counsel, for all Lutherans in Burkina Faso, West Africa, and for all those suffering from other health concerns. Prayers of thanksgiving today for those celebrating birthdays and anniversary. All of this we ask as you have taught us to pray. his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace.
Oh.